Hey, welcome everyone. Back for another to the Bible. Happy Sunday. It's July 11th, 7 11. Let's see here. Let's turn this off. Turn off commenting. Bam. So we're on Leviticus 25. But before I do that, I want to go ahead and read a, a quick psalm. <clears throat> it's going to read part of it. Psalm 23 verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> many, many of y'all might have this memorized already, but I'm just going to go ahead and read. This is the Christian standard version of it. <clears throat> I don't know why I keep getting on here and um, without clearing my throat before I start. Man, it's like right when I start, my throat wants to act goofy, get all itchy and scratchy. All right, so the, it says, uh, this is about the good shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So Lord, thank you for this word, Psalm 23. Thank you, Lord, that um, you allow us to lie down and you give us all that we need. You allow us to lie down in the greenest of pastures. When I think of green pastures, I think of this peacefulness and bliss and joy. Um, I thank you, Lord, that you... Um, lead us by, beside quiet waters and that you renew our life and you lead us on the right paths and it's all for your namesake lord i still don't fully understand what that fully means but um when i think of your namesake it's so that your name will be glorified just like um any last name that carries weight when people hear Rockefeller or they hear Buffett or they hear Jordan or Jackson, those names um, automatically carry some weight in the world or Gates, Bill Gates. People think of that and it carries weight to it. Lord, your your name is above every name. Jesus, Lord, and carries the most weight. So we thank you for that, that everything it's yeah us being led by the right paths down the right paths lord um it's for your namesake and even when we go through the darkest of valleys the hardest of circumstances the sicknesses the burdens the trials the challenges um we don't have to fear any danger for you are with us and your rod and your staff lord uh, they comfort us lord or I like to think of those as like the bumpers on in bowling, Lord. Even though we go to the left or the right, we veer and we bump off the bumpers and it hurts. Like the rod and the staff, they can um, at times feel painful when we're being yanked back on the path that you want us on, Lord. But they, they are a source of comfort, Lord. The discipline of the Lord is, is a source of comfort and peace. So we thank you for that. We thank you for this word. Leviticus 25 and I just pray Lord that once again as we read through it that we continue to transform our hearts transform our minds and we would just 
view you and your word in a, in a different light than we've ever viewed it. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So, do 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 all right this is a long chapter 55 verses so let's go and there's a lot to unpack here so sabbath years and jubilee the lord spoke to moses to mount sinai on mount sinai speak to the israelites and tell them when you enter the land i am giving you the land will observe the land will observe a Sabbath to the Lord. You may sow your field for six years, and you may prune your vine, your vineyard, and gather its produce for six years. But there will be a Sabbath. There will be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land in the seventh year. A Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You are not to reap what grows by itself from your crop, or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. It is to be a year of complete rest for the land. Whatever the land produces during the Sabbath year can be food for you, for yourself, your male or your female servant and their hired worker or alien who resides with you. All of its growth may serve as food for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Verse 8, you are to count seven sabbatical years, seven times seven years, so that the time period of the seven sabbatical years amounts to 49. Then you are to sound a trumpet loudly in the seventh month on this tenth day of the month. Hmm. You will sound it through your land, throughout your land, on the day of atonement. You are to consecrate the consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants. It will be your jubilee when each of you is to return to his property and each of you is each of you to his clan. The fiftieth year will be your jubilee. You are not to sow, reap, or grows, or grows by itself, or harvest its untended vines. It is to be holy to you because it is the jubilee. You may only eat its produce directly from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you return to his property. If you make a sale to your neighbor or a purchase from him, do not cheat one another. You are to make the purchase from your neighbor based on the number of years since the last jubilee. He is to sell to you based on the number of remaining harvest years. You are to increase its price in proportion to a greater amount of years and decrease its price in proportion to a lesser amount of years because what is what he is selling to you is a number of harvest. You are not to cheat one another, but fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. You are to keep my statutes and ordinances and carefully observe them so that you may live securely in the land. Then the land, the land will yield its fruit so that you can be you can eat, be satisfied and live securely in the land. If you wonder what will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. Hmm. Verse 22. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating from the previous harvest. You will be eating this until the ninth year when its harvest comes in. The land is not to be permanently sold because it is mine and you are only aliens and temporary re resident temporary residents on my land. 
You are to allow the redemption of any land you occupy. If your brother becomes destitute and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem what his brother has sold. If a man has no family redeemer, but he prospers and obtains enough to redeem his land, he may calculate the year since its sale, repay the balance to the man he sold it to and return it to his property. But if he cannot obtain enough to repay him, what he sold will remain in the possession of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. It is to be released at the Jubilee so that he may return to his property. So a couple things there. Um, keep in mind this scripture. Don't forget this one because it's going to because it's going to come into play. Later on, when we talk about Boaz and Naomi, yeah, Ruth and Naomi and all that and the kinsman redeemer. So, yeah, that particular law is going to come into play later on <clears throat> as we go through the Old Testament. And then what was the other thing? Our laws. I've never bought unclaimed. I've never bought um, property at an auction, but at some point I would like to. Um, they have auctions. Every city has usually an auction for property. And like, as far as I know, so there'll be times where all that's owed on the property is like property tax or old debts from the city, like that they owe the city or, you know, water bills, whatever. And as, as far as I know, the way it usually works is you buy the, I can come in, buy the property at auction, say I buy it for like 10000 to pay off all of the debts and the back taxes and all that owed. I own the property, but I don't officially take full ownership of it. And like, I think the original owner has like a year or so. I think it's like a year to pay off the debts. If they come back within a year and pay off that debt, then I don't get to keep the property. I think that's how that works. I'm um, somebody else is an expert on this can probably talk more about that, but my main point in saying that is our current laws in society in a lot of cities are based off of this like people wonder like where did that law come from where did this rule come from where do they get the idea to even do this it's like it was already written in the bible like it was already here in leviticus 25 of how you handle uh properties um that have been lost for various reasons and the whole years of year of jubilee like our whole um our whole debt system like with uh like if you file bankruptcy and you have like a seven year window before of basically where you're in like credit purgatory until it's paid off yeah until not not until it's paid off before that drops off of your um credit so it doesn't hurt you anymore so uh yeah, you're able to be released of all your debts and you don't have to pay them back in chapter 13 you have to pay them back chapter 7 you don't Anyway, that comes from the Bible. So, provisions for giving people a break, basically. Relief from their destitution and whatever struggles they got going on. All right, verse 29. If a man sells a residence in a walled city, his right of redemption will last until a year has passed after its sale. Yep, if a man sells a residence in a walled city, his right of redemption will last until a year has passed after its sale. His right of redemption will last a year. 
if it is not redeemed by the end of a full year, then the house in the walled city is permanently transferred to its purchaser throughout his generations. This is exactly what I just said. Yeah, I know I'm not. I, yeah, I'm gonna go look that up later. There's, I, I believe that's how it works when you go to buy a property that um, has been, uh, it's for auction. You but you have the right to buy. You buy it. You pay off. I don't know if you have to pay the full portion of the debt or a part of it, but basically, yeah, you pay the debt and whatever is owed on that property to bring it out of a, cause usually there's a lien, there's usually liens on the property, like tax liens, various liens on it. You pay off all the liens, it's your property, but you don't officially take hold of it for a year because the original owner has at least one year to come claim, to come pay the liens off and take the property, like get his property out of, you know, out of. Um, possess, possession of the city, whatever. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. I was just reading that. Let me write it. similar to, and I think other, I'm sure other parts of the world have very similar systems in place for tax. Liens and auctions. I like to write little notes to myself. Do research on this. All right. Uh, let me read that verse one more time. Verse 30. It is not redeemed by the end of. If it is not redeemed by the end of a full year, and then the house in the walled city is permanently transferred to its purchaser throughout his generations, it is not to be released on the Jubilee. But houses and settlements that have no walls around them are to be classified as open fields. The right to redeem such houses stays in effect, and they are to be released at the Jubilee. Houses and settlements that have no walls around them are to be classified as open fields. Interesting. Uh, verse 32 concerning the levitical cities the levites always have the right to redeem houses in the city they possess whatever property one of the levites can redeem a house sold in a city they possess is to be released at the jubilee because the houses in the levitical cities are their possession among the israelites the open pasture land around their cities may not be sold for it is their permanent possession Mm, that comes we got laws on the books that reference that kind of stuff too verse 35 if your brother becomes destitute and cannot sustain himself among you you are to support him as an alien or temporary resident so that he can continue to live among you do not profit or take interest from him but fear your god and let your brother live among you you are not to lend him your silver with interest or sell him your food for profit I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. That's something that our current society is struggling with big time. There's a lot of usury and a lot of uh, these payday lenders. Yeah, taking advantage of folks. If your brother among you becomes destitute and sells himself to you, it's crazy. One more thing. The whole credit system didn't even exist. Imagine, I can't even imagine. There, there was a time when there was not even the ability to get credit. 
there were no credit cards. That's something that came about like around I think the 60s-ish, around 60s. I think when the first credit system was built where you could like, it used to be you could buy groceries at the grocery store on credit. Um, there's an old pastor that jokes about how he was a kid he bought all these snacks and stuff on his dad's credit line at the grocery store and then his dad later found out and was not too happy but i don't think they charged interest on those groceries at the time you just yeah you just it was a credit system they knew that you were gonna you know you were good for it you're gonna because people used to keep that word back in the day a lot more and yeah so anyway there was a time where there was no credit system which is wild to think about and then people got greedy and you see the problems we have today so all right verse 39 if your brother among you becomes destitute and sells himself to you you must not force him to do slave labor let him stay with you as a hired worker or a temporary resident he may work for you until the year of jubilee then he and his children are to be released from you and he may return to his clan and his ancestral property they are not to be sold as slaves because they are my servants that I brought out of the land of Egypt. You are not to rule over them harshly, but fear your God. Your male and female slaves are to be from the nations around you. You may purchase male and female slaves. You may also purchase them from the aliens residing with you or from their families living among you, those born in your land. These may become your property. You may leave them to your sons after you after you to inherit as property. You can make them slaves for life. But concerning your brothers, the Israelites, you must not rule over one another harshly. So here's an example of indentured servitude and slavery. But the concept of slavery was like way different in the Bible. This is where like basically Satan perverted slavery the concept of indentured servitude and slavery talks about not ruling over your slaves harshly like there was actually the concept of being a slave or being somebody's uh servant actually wasn't bad back then it was but it's been perverted over time and used by people a lot of people like it especially in the 1800s y'all know the whole story of that um 1600s to yeah what is it 1865 finally when it was for over 200 years we saw the most some of the most uh heinous forms of slavery and abuse of power it wasn't supposed to be like that um same thing with the egyptians the way they were treating um the children of israel that's not the type of slavery that god is advocating here uh verse 47 in an alien that's why it's so hard for us when later on when we read when god talks about we're supposed to be his bond servants and be like slaves and, and obey the lord like it's hard especially for anyone of color that has ancestors that are slave were, were slaves um to understand that concept um it's because it's such an become such a negative word when it was never intended to be such a negative word it never was intended for a man to rule over another man period 
but as a result of the fall, these are the systems we had to have in place. So anyway. Verse 47, if an alien of temp or temporary resident living among you prospers, but your brother living near him becomes destitute and sells himself to the alien living among you or to a member of the resident aliens clan, he has the right of redemption after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him. His uncle or cousin may redeem him or any of his close relatives from his clan may redeem him. If he prospers, he may redeem himself. The one who purchased him is to calculate the time from the year he sold himself to to him until the year of Jubilee. The price of his sale will be determined by the number of years. It will be set for him like the daily wages of a hired worker. If many years are still left, he may pay his redemption price in proportion to them based on his purchase price. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, he will calculate and pay the price of his redemption in proportion to his remaining years. He will stay with him like a man hired year by year. A resident alien is not to rule over him harshly in your sight. He is not redeemed. If he is, if he is not redeemed in any of these ways, he and his children are to be released at the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites are my servants, and they are my servants that I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. All right, there's so much there, but I'm just going to read the notes and pray and keep it moving because we're going to knock out the rest of Leviticus today and move on to tomorrow. I'll start uh, numbers. So that'll be interesting. All right, it says the Sabbath year was to be observed once the people people of Israel were living in Canaan and planting crops. They could plant and harvest for six years in succession, but there was to be complete rest for the land in the seventh year. Thus, the land itself enjoyed a Sabbath rest in the seventh year, even as God provided a Sabbath rest for his people every seventh day. Skipping the harvest for a year sounds like a risky idea for an act for an agriculturally dependent people. But remember that the Israelites were not ordinary farmers. They were the people of God who needed constant reminders of their utter dependence on him for everything. So yeah, that's what's so hard about living in modern day times is we go to the grocery store for everything. So even then, it's like a work of God. It amazes me the logistics that go into the trucks, where the food comes from, the process of getting the food prepared, and then all the trucks that logistically day in and day out make deliveries to the grocery stores so that we can eat. But we don't think about it because it just seems so automatic or so we take it for granted. But beyond that, there was a time where People lived on, everyone lived on a farm and they had to depend on crops growing and the seed. They saw the whole process from the seed going into the ground to, um, I remember, yeah, when my former wife and I had a garden and we got to see, there was a process that went into it, putting the seed, yeah, all the work that went into like digging up the roots and getting the land ready to even plant and then planting the seed and then all the days being out there having to water it and then have the sun, depending on the sun, to shine and then grow. And then hope, yeah, don't have any animals come and steal the food. 
just that all that all that process or having to go if you had to go fish for your food or you had to go hunt for your food and just the constant dependence on God to provide we're we're missing that so that's another reason why it's a lot easier in today's culture to be an atheist and not believe in God or not um have a relationship with Jesus like because we're so far removed from dependence on him it said tragically as time passed Israel disregarded God's command to observe the Sabbath year not for a mere decade or two but for 490 years that's 70 Sabbath years they would neglect to observe and God would keep count when he sent them into exile in Babylon they remained there for 70 years one year for each Sabbath year they violated whoa so yeah if we think God doesn't take the Sabbath seriously so yeah go I don't know I'm keep reading keep reading because I could say more about that but I'm not going to right now so in the year of Jubilee the Israelites were to proclaim freedom in the land all those in servitude were set free and property reverted its reverted to its owner original owners this was to begin with the day of atonement the day set aside to atone for the individual and corporate sins of the nation of Israel. The day of atonement marked the time when Israel got right with God through the shedding of blood. That is through the slain of a sacrifice. In other words, they didn't get to enjoy the Jubilee, God's involvement in their economy, society and politics without first getting their sins addressed by God. Many people want God to do things for them without coming to him for atonement or even recognizing that they need it. They cry out for justice or ask God to pay this, fix that, or vindicate them while skipping the very thing that inaugurates God's jubilee. That is, addressing personal and corporate sin. You can't have deliverance from your problems without King Jesus who delivers. Wow, that is a pretty bold statement. So that's a perfect example of why, like, when somebody says, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus or I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like, you can't separate the two. You can't separate the three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because God is the one who appointed Jesus as king. It's like saying, I don't recognize. It's like, I don't recognize there's a lot of people right now that don't recognize Joe Biden as the president of the United States because they said the the you know the election was fixed and rigged and all this stuff and really Trump won. It's like at the end of the day, I can't fight that. He's still our president. I gotta respect him. And that's the system that was in place. He however he got there is how he got there. Same thing with God. God is but God sets the rules. He's above He's a name above every name. He's in control of this entire universe. So if he says the only way to my to have a relationship with me is through my son Jesus, on the like that he's king, that he's ruler, um, he's he makes the rules. I don't make the rules. So I can't just say, Oh, I don't respect, you know, Jesus as as king. He's king whether you like it or not. So at some oh, one point, someday in the yeah. In the future, he says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. So you can either do it now or do it later. I'd rather do it now. So I don't knock any, try to knock anybody who 
doesn't believe and I, I just pray my I just pray and just plant the seeds and trust that one one day uh, your eyes will be open to the truth and um yeah as I keep saying Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody he's patient he's a gentleman the Holy Spirit prompts us and leads he never stops pursuing us so he's very gracious uh, let's see here a primary yeah he's not like a dictator leader um, yeah he doesn't abuse his power a primary feature of the Jubilee was the return of all property in Israel to its original owners the only exception to this rule involved, involved property in walled cities this was based on the following principle the land is not to be permanently sold because it is God's and the people are only temporary residents on his land there were occasions when Israelites had to sell their land or sell themselves into servitude because of poverty. But since they and their land, so yeah, most people back then that were slaves or indentured servants, the whole idea we had of in, we have uh, of indentured servitude is because, yeah, they were in poverty. But they weren't, their rulers, their slave masters weren't supposed to um, be harsher than and the way the way slavery like if you look at the way slavery was done here in North America the way we were just treated like animals like that was not what God God didn't condone that but there was slave masters back then that were using scripture to justify their behavior and that it was they were completely off base they weren't reading the whole scripture they were reading parts of it in fact I heard stories of like they were actually ripping parts of the Bible out um yeah, so I only kept the parts that they liked. Um, let's see. There were occasions when Israelites had to sell their land or sell themselves into servitude because of poverty. But since they and their land really belonged to God, any such sale was temporary. God made it clear that no one could refuse to allow the redemption of land be during Jubilee. Notice that God did not use the word own, but occupy. It's funny because we even have rules on the books that they call them occupancy laws for tenants and landlords. What's crazy, though, is the landlords, they don't really own. They think they own the land. Like the people that own this property I live in now, they think they own it, but really they don't own it. It belongs to God. They just it's on it. They're actually the ones that are temporarily leasing it. Uh, the rules of Jubilee also concern the people of Israel who were poor, who had been sold or who had sold themselves into a form of indentured servitude to pay a debt. If an Israelite sold himself for service, he was to be treated as a hired worker instead of a slave. His station was only a temporary condition that was to be reversed during the year of Jubilee. Israelites were not to be sold as slaves because they were God's servants whom he brought out of Egypt. Foreigners whom the Israelites had purchased were not eligible for release during the year of Jubilee. Often in ancient Israel, foreign peoples became slaves as a result of war. Such refugees might have no other means of sustenance. Substance. So, in contrast to other nations in the ancient Near East, Israel was required to grant protection and justice to slaves. See, they were set apart. God did allow for it. But the way they treated their slaves was not 
the way we think of when we think of like seeing slaves in the in the old movies of you know African Americans who were brought here unwillingly, and uh, half of them died on the boat on the way here, and then when they got here, they were whipped and had limbs cut off if they tried to run. Yeah, nah, that's not the concept of slavery that God is talking about here. The principles of Jubilee relating to servitude, redemption, and freedom have great meaning to us as believers today. We are God's possession since he bought us back from slavery to sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are free from sin and death, but we are servants of God. So that's what I was talking about earlier. Jesus paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross so that we could be bought, redeemed. Because we used to be slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. We're serving, we serve him and we obey him out of joy and love for him because of what he did. It's a whole lot, a whole lot different concept of than just trying to just clean up my act and just do a lot of good things or right things. That's the spirit of religion versus like, no, I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a price. I'm new. I've been renewed. I've been restored. Now I'm going to serve him out of love and devotion. And yeah, so. This is good. It's going to get keep getting better as we keep going, especially as we get to the New Testament. All this stuff is going to just like a light bulb. So many light bulbs is just going to click. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, Leviticus 25. Thank you, Lord, that you're constantly speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for your... This is the year of Jubilee, Lord. Shoot, every day is a day of Jubilee where we can experience your joy and your peace that we've been... We can celebrate that we've been redeemed, that we uh, that because of what you did on the cross, you died on the cross, shedding your blood, that we are restored. We've been redeemed. We no longer have to live according to our sin nature, Lord. I pray for those that don't know you. I pray they'll give their life to you so they can experience the same jubilee and uh, that they would no longer be slaves to even religion because that's a strong cord um, that binds so many people, Lord. And it keeps keeps them from being able to see that you just desire to have a relationship with them, Lord. You're not here to get us to just clean up our act or just change our behavior, God. You want to completely restore us and re- and show us that you've already paid the price so that we could be redeemed. All we have to do is simply, like a child with faith, come to you and ask you to be our Lord and Savior, and we can experience this jubilee, this peace, this restoration. And uh, look forward. We look forward to the day when everything will be made right. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and there'll be a, a millennial reign. God, we look forward to that day. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, I'm gonna go ahead. Like I said, I told you that was kind of long. So, uh, Leviticus 26 is not any shorter. It's only shorter by like nine verses, <laughs> and then 27 will be the last one and then uh we'll be done with leviticus i'll be right back
What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer And have we trials and temptations is there trouble anywhere? But we should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows Jesus knows our every weakness. Say it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus knows our every weakness. Say it to the Lord in prayer.